0: this week's episode of the Homeschool How-To. I'm Cheryl and I invite you to join me on my quest to find out why are people homeschooling? How do you do it? How does it differ from region to region? And should I homeschool my kids? Stick with me as I interview homeschooling families from all over to help me unfold the answers to each of these questions week by week. Welcome. With us today, we have Debbie from Florida. Now, Debbie, you were growing up and raising your kids in the Chicago suburb area, and I'm really excited to talk to you today because you completed the project, so to speak. Your kids are grown. So welcome. Thank you for being here today.
1: My pleasure, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Now,
0: I want to get into, um, let's start with how many kids you have, and then what made you even decide that you wanted to homeschool was it something that you always knew that you wanted to do because i know it's a new thing now since COVID. it's really kind of exploded but what mm-hmm. back then made you think this is the way i want to go for my family
1: okay well that's a lot of questions but I uh i have six children wow. so i'm you know one of those that had a large family and i'm uh, intensely grateful um uh, that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made was to have that a large family. I I guess uh, the reason my husband at that time was actually involved with some people who were the original pioneers of homeschooling. And so I started doing some research when I was actually even pregnant with my first child and trying to understand, you know, what what were the ramifications of making this choice? Because back then, that was uh, 1986. So I would have been kind of the second wave of homeschooling. The first wave were the ones who were very persecuted. I mean, some of them went to jail. There was a lot of stuff that went on. And at my time, that was when the Homeschool Legal Defense Association kind of came up and started supporting us and we got organized. But I made that decision because I felt, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a religious, spiritual person, and I felt someone is going to teach my children. Someone's going to be spending time with them. And what values and things do I want them to learn? And so that, would, for me, was the primary reason why I made that choice to do that.
0: Now, it's funny that you say that because um, a episode uh, with Chris that I did a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the education system is fairly recent. We think that it's Been around for centuries, but it's really only since the early 1900s that it started rolling out. And then, I more recently was reading about how, um, you know, Nelson Rockefeller really got into it around 1943 or so, if I remember correctly, and taking it from the states and bringing it into a federal education system. And so, all (laughs) the curriculums across the country would be the same. So, how did we, as a country, get from Everybody was educated at home primarily, maybe went to school for two, three years and then finished their education at home for their family's business to most recently, you know, New York. I know people were in the 80s going to jail for homeschooling their kids. You're right. Just like you said, they were getting persecuted. And New York was one of the last states, I believe, to remove that from being illegal. How did it
1: go from one extreme to the other and so quickly? Have you looked into that? I I had at that time. I I don't have the actual facts in front of me that I would uh, dare to quote, but I would definitely say uh, there was a very strong push to uh, get people in line to a way that they wanted them. And, you know, think about it. If you want people to end up with a certain point of view where do you start mm-hmm. the kids you start as early as possible as early as possible so you get your kinder kindergarten got from the Germans which I've heard you reference in the past and that was starting the children very very young and getting them trained to be obedient to be uh, work well in a group, to be properly socialized, to whatever the government uh, wishes it to be outside of what the parental, the parent, the family unit is. So, yeah, the family unit is a very ancient unit. It it is uh, the foundation of everything. Everything is the family unit. And so the government loves to come in and... uh, disrupt that process because what you have to understand is that education is inherently religious it's religious you are learning a doctrine you're learning a point of view it is inherently religious so whether you are a humanist you are a catholic you are jewish muslim whatever it is however you want your children to learn for me I want the choice. I want everyone to have the choice to educate their children however they wish. They want to homeschool them. They want them in private school. They want them in public school. I don't care what choice you make as a parent, but you, the parent, needs to make that choice, not a government agent. So, what
0: sort of comments and um, say persecution from your family and friends did you get deciding to homeschool back in the 80s and early 90s? What
1: was that like? It, it was rough. I mean, uh, my own family, my parents were, were school teachers um, at, uh, when they were younger, and then we were, we were farmers, actually, grew up on a farm in Ohio, and they were appalled. <laughs> I was homeschooling my kids because, you know, they were teachers and they, they couldn't understand why I would possibly want to do that. And I remember when my oldest, uh, was kind of like, a preteen you know early teen years and my dad grudgingly saying to me well you know your your kids have kind of turned out okay in spite of the homeschooling and you know it's just i i, I experienced quite a bit uh of you know family thinking that we were weird and weirdos and uh you know it, it was very isolating uh outside of you know your homeschoolers But it was a very isolating experience, for sure. Because people, once they found out you were homeschooling, they literally would pull their skirts up and walk away. Oh, we didn't want to be around you. Our children might get infected. You know, that was the sort of uh, situation that we had. So, yeah, it was hard. It was, I won't lie to you. I mean, it was very difficult to to homeschool. It's even
0: hard now to come (laughs) out to your family and say that. It literally, like, you're coming out of the closet. We're going to be homeschoolers. It's like, Oh, God, what will they do for socialization? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. Go outside and meet people. <laughs> um. So how did you find other homeschooling families? And in the Chicago area, were there some? I mean, in thinking oh, yeah. of it, I would think like, oh, down south there probably were. But up in Chicago, I would think that would be sparse.
1: Yeah, we actually lived um, in Chicago for part of that time. We were downtown. uh uh and uh we were we went there was a very active homeschool group on the North side. And uh, a lady there mentored me very actively. Uh, Kathy Custis, God rest her soul. She has since passed on, but she had five children and they were all like 10 years older than me. So um, the, my children. And so it was just lovely to have someone that I could mentor with that um, I'd seen her kids make it through and successfully. And that was very powerful for me. And that would be a piece of advice for anyone that is wanting to homeschool is to, find a mom who's further along, you know, preferably at least maybe five, 10 years farther along than you are that you can uh, talk to, um, you know, maybe you can give back to them, you know, watch their kids or have, have their kids come over and clean your house or, you know, whatever relationship you establish with them that you're helping each other out. But that's a that was a very powerful relationship with me, Kathy Custis. She was very, very powerful.
0: And that's been a theme, I think, of my episodes, not because I'm trying to do that, but a theme that I hear my guests say is, I was mentored by someone further along. And it just shows like what a beautiful community that is. People aren't in it all about themselves. Like, okay, when my kids are out, I'm done. It's like, um, it, the the last woman that I had on, Becky, she actually she was talking about how she was mentored. And then now she started my homeschool village. And, um, you know, so takes all all the best advice that she was given. And now it's part of a program that she does as a business. And that's a big community right there. And I had on uh, women that have not only mentor others, but even started Tia, uh, she's in Florida as well. She started inner bliss sanctuary. And, and it's just this community. So it's, gotten to the point where people can make a business out of it, but doing what they've grown this passion for and educating, you know, children from the home life. So that's beautiful. What kind of curriculums were around when you started and what did you use?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, We did everything. I mean, we tried it all. Honestly, Uh, we did the workbooks when the kids were younger. Uh, We did Christian Liberty Academy. I'm sure they're still publishing. Uh, I did Saxon Math for a while Uh, You know, you just as your children grow, different methods are come to play. So, for example, I had I had the six children. And so I kind of was able to break them into groups of three, the older two, the middle two and the younger two, and uh, do some of that where we would kind of learn they would learn together. And that was very, very powerful. And uh, one of the things I would strongly recommend is that uh, you look into getting your children um, started at their local junior college, getting their high school and college credits at the same time. Because what I presented to my children was, um, do you want to do four years of high school and four years of college? Or do you want to uh, do dual enrollment and kind of knock out both at the same time? Because your first two years of college Are essentially high school Mm -hmm. material
0: so all your prerequisites yeah
1: yeah your choice how do you wish to go through this and so surprise um most of them did choose to just start taking um college courses at our local junior college we had a real we have an excellent college uh college of dupage and they were very very welcoming to the homeschoolers and so we, we had them in there and they would just basically, you know, take American history and all those different classes that they needed for pre-reqs. But then I would give them credit for high school at the same time. So did
0: they physically go to the college?
1: Yeah, they did. Oh Wow. And that was pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. But it was good. It was, and it was a way for them to start working with their peers and in a manner that they weren't there all day. But they're they're part of the day. And then we could tackle issues like, you know, how the other girls were dressed at that time. It was the it was the super low jeans, like where they were like cut almost to the pubic bone yeah. and then the short shirts. And I remember my oldest daughter being like, well, I want to kind of like wear." I'm like, no, no, we're not wearing that no
0: (laughs) you don't need your butt crack hanging out
1: yeah being the Debbie downer we don't need it if you lean over that we're going to see parts that we just yeah we're not going there so but it was good to tackle that with her in her teen years versus just sending her out into the wild having not had any of those experiences and being like good luck with that all you know so that was it was a really nice way to gradually get your children into what their peers were doing and I mean the piece of advice I always told my kids is like you know make your teens and 20s as productive as possible you know with your education uh, you know your married life your children whatever you get going because you will reap the benefit of that in your 40s and 50s I said because your peers they don't think they need to grow up until they hit 30 so if you are productive in your teens and your 20s By the time you are 30, you're going to be a lot farther along in life than they are. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they all are. They're all, I mean, my oldest is 36 and my youngest is 26. Wow. I mean, some of them have their houses paid for.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So there are colleges that high schoolers can go to without having like a college or a high school diploma or without being 18 or
1: older. Yeah, you can dual enroll. Usually your junior, co- at least okay. that's what I experienced at that time, that my local junior college was very welcoming to getting bringing the homeschoolers.
0: Yeah, so like a two-year school, they probably would offer something similar. its I've never looked into that. But yeah. again, there's probably information that there are rules that are there to benefit us, but they don't want to tell you <laughs> that, you know, hey, we have this policy that you can go
1: yeah, it might be state to state too. Sure. I just know in Illinois that our local junior colleges were were very welcoming to the homeschoolers who were under 18 and it was it was it was great. It was super helpful for me.
0: Now, were there ever times that you said maybe I made a mistake? <laughs> what do I do? Oh, I mean there every parent, every homeschooling parent must have that, right? What? How did you get through that and know, no, this is the right decision for us? And even if it's not, it's the decision we're taking and we're going with
1: it. <laughs> I, I think the way my brain works, I, I'm, I'm more of a data person and logical. Um, and for me, I, I spent a lot of time studying it before I made the decision to do it. Um, literally when I was pregnant with my first child. So for me, it was a commitment that I had made very, very early on. And was, were there times that it was really difficult and really hard? Yes, it was, because um, we struggled financially um, for most of that time until my youngest got old enough that I was able to start a business and start working uh, and bringing in income. Uh, we really struggled. Um, financially, I I remember there was a time when on I would work for a friend, another homeschooling friend who was more a prosperous. Her husband and her owned a, a remodeling company. I would watch her children all day on Saturday, and I got a hundred dollars cash, and that is how I fed my children for the week. And I went there and I watched her kids, cleaned her house, ironed her clothes cooked, did everything I could to help her. And I got I got cold hard cash for that. And then I was able to feed my kids and see them through the next week. So yeah, there were a lot of really difficult times um, that we went through as a family, but you know, it was me and my kids against everybody else. We, we were very tight, we were our own tribe. And it was, for me, I loved getting to know each and every one of them on a very deep level. And to look at their individual giftedness and give them opportunities to explore that. Because, and I've heard this as a theme with your other moms that have been on this sh- on your show, on your podcast, you know, in the morning, it's like, hey, hit your books hard. Let's get, let's power through what we got to get through. And then the rest of the day, you do what you are interested in. If it's geography, astronomy, playing your flute, Whatever that is, then you get to deep dive into that for the remainder of the day. And I found that that's enabled my children as adults. They've really reaped the benefit of that. I mean, just for example, my oldest is uh, the chief technical officer at a concrete company in Chicago. And his passion was he liked taking things apart and the computer stuff. So we would literally drive around in the neighborhood, pick up all the junk computers on the side of the road. I got him a little soldering kit, you know, all these little robot things. So he can learn how to do all that stuff. And he has an extremely successful career doing that now, making buku bucks. And, and that all started wow. when he was like eight. You know, one of my other sons, he he has his own, um, a very successful entrepreneur. And uh, he's he just, he got started doing all that stuff when he was really young too. You know, having his own business and being interested in that. And he always knew he wanted to be his own, be his own businessman. And, and he, here he is, very successful. And he didn't go to college. He did some college, but he didn't get a degree. But he had... All of that time, he was able to get, we call that 10,000 hours in, in in his teens, you know, learning and mastering a craft. So to me, that, it's so powerful to get on the other end of that and to see your children taking those passions and that giftedness that they had at a very young age and converting it, here we are, 10, 15, 20 years later and being like, oh my gosh, they're actually making a living at this and enjoying their lives because their lives, their work is their passion. It's their calling instead of, oh, I got a J-O-B, you know, they, I mean, they're doing what they love and it's, it's really incredible to see.
0: Hi folks. Thank you for checking out the Homeschool How-To this week. This is Cheryl, your host, and I have a small request. If you could so kindly hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for me, it would be really appreciated. Even if you don't listen to my podcast on that platform, they will always accept reviews. Also, be sure to give me a follow on Instagram at the Homeschool How-To Podcast. I have a few Instagram live sessions coming up that I really don't want you to miss, specifically with Katie, my curriculum expert from episode four. She is going to tell me what curriculum I should be doing with my son for kindergarten and why. You definitely don't want to miss it. You know, and I'm going to have to kind of work those into my questions Um, as I talk to my guests, because that is a really amazing concept. And I, as you're talking, I'm thinking back to my childhood and, you know, my parents were government workers and it was, you better go take an exam as soon as you qualify, go take an exam, go take an exam. And what's the exam? It's standardized test, you know, and you got, it's, you know, a little Mm -hmm. quote is like you have the right answer, the wrong answer, and then the answer they want you to pick. You know, and everybody, under, you know, they, they don't want you to pick the yeah. right answer. They want you to pick the one they've trained you or the one that they want their workers to pick so that they can have these just, you know, worker bees, obedient workers, you know fit in the mold. And that was because that's all my parents knew. And so they knew to just push that on me. You need a pension, you need health insurance. And those were the important things, you know, um, because I went through the public school system and state school. And, you know, so I did follow in the footsteps because I didn't have, and I've mentioned this before on my shows, I didn't have any course in school that said, these are all the jobs out there. (laughs) Here's all of them. Let's you know, or even here's a few streams. Let's take a dive down and see how many venture off into that. And it's funny because, and this is like a, a not even meaning to promote, but the Tuttle Twins, which is my affiliate, but we were reading um, the Miraculous Pencil to my son the other night. And in the, in the first page, it's like, nobody in the world knows how to make a pencil. And, you know, of course, the kids are like, why, why, why don't we know how to make a pencil? You know, then how are pencils made if nobody knows how to make a pencil? But what the book gets into is that so many different people have different parts of the job. And even up until, you know, whatever tractor or whatnot they use to cut down the trees, somebody had to make that tractor too. So, you know, there's so many moving parts to each little thing. And I just don't think that school, public education, or probably not even private, but standardized school really dives into all the things you could possibly do when you're an adult to earn a living. And it really, is, it's sad. And so for that to be like the main purpose of homeschool, I think that's worth it right there. Cause you know, sure it's 18 or 22 years of schooling, but then that's for the rest of your life until you retire and the retirement age keeps getting higher and higher. So it's like, you might be working forever. You might as well be doing something you really, really love. And I, I, school just doesn't doesn't provide yeah. that. There are a few people I'm sure that graduate from public school and do something they really love. My husband, I know he does, but um, mm. that's happenstance,
1: <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. I mean, and I think I think as parents, it's it's difficult to not put our own preconceptions yeah. of who our children are on them. Uh, and I, that was something that I really, I really wanted them to, you know, to look at them for who they were, and to observe them, and to whatever they seemed to gravitate to. Even on when I had no money, just make it happen. With I uh, meant I had to go dumpster dive, or you know, whatever we had to do to get the things that they needed to explore what the interest of the day. And I had a child who had a different interest every week and that was fine. That, that was fine. It was good. We, we did the fish. We did, I mean, we did all, we did all of that stuff and it was awesome. But you know, it's just, you have, you, it's really hard as parents to, to step back and observe your children and say, wow, this kid is really musically talented and what can I do to facilitate that for them? Because we're their chief facilitators. And uh, when I did start working, I owned an educational company uh, that was very large and very successful. I had thousands of students, served thousands and thousands of students in the Chicago area. And that was one thing I sat in very many uh, student teacher meetings and IEPs and 504 plans. And that's the thing is that they're not even for all the intervention that they're getting, we're still not looking at where are they going to end up? Ah, that's wow. Yeah. Where are we see that, that giftedness? Because for every child who is on the spectrum, who is got a disability, usually um, giftedness comes hand in hand with some disability of some kind, whether it's sensory issues or whatever that they typically come together. And so, being very mindful of that as the homeschooling parent uh, is, it's super important. And, but just take, even in our own imperfections and our own brokenness as, as parents, we still can do a better job than anyone in school that doesn't have any skin in the game. You know, for the, for the high school guidance counselor, who's got, you know, 300 kids that he's, guiding you know through high school you still as a parent there's so many tools and things available for you to help your child discover their passions it, you're you're going to do a far better job than they would be getting in this school so just just take take uh comfort in that you know even with our own limited abilities we're still going to do a better job
0: yeah I mean that really clicked with me with you saying that these like you said the five hundred four, you know all these pla- IEPs I'm I don't have an education, um, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't go to school for that or anything. So I'm not familiar with all the terminology, but how much of that is just to complete the checkbox that you did it for funding purposes from the government Mm -hmm. so that your school can get more funding or, and to pass the student on to the next grade versus find out what they're really gifted in and how they could make a living. Like whether, whatever it may be. I mean, it could be an engineer. It could be being able to be, um, you know, bagging at a grocery store, but something to give a purpose. So much of it is just to push along and, okay, so they're not my problem anymore. And that's even just kids that don't have disabilities too. I can see teachers, you know, like, okay, it's, it's June. You passed. You're not mine anymore. And there, yeah, yeah, there are great teachers out there. I'm friends with so many of them, but they'll tell you themselves they are under resourced, mm-hmm. understaffed, and they're doing all they can to get by.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, and that's the thing. I, I have children uh, that definitely had like attention deficit issues, and you know, ADHD, and I did not. I didn't dope them up. I mean, I I did not go get them on Ritalin or any of that. What I chose to do was give, they were boys, give them plenty of time to get outside and move around and blow off some steam before I expected them to come back in and sit down. And I just told them, I said, look, this is a gift. If you feel you're having trouble focusing, just think about, you're looking around the room, you're picking up on all sorts of information and data. How can you use that? You know, like I would read about like, oh, people who are like this. Oh, well, they make wonderful detectives because they're able to like look around a room and they're picking up all of this information where someone who's a little more centered or focused like wow. me, it's like, I didn't see that. What's that over there? You know, and so there's just to me, I wanted I didn't want them to feel like they needed a pill to be good. I wanted them to be like, hey, you are created like this. This is how you came out. And you know what? We're going to. We all have different levels of giftedness here and deficits here, but those are beautiful things that we can put together to make you uh, a very productive adult, you know, doing things you enjoy doing that because you want to do things for work that are, it's enjoyable to you because if you're asking someone to do things that they don't enjoy doing, Mm -hmm. then it really feels like work. Like, if you're, if you're a person who doesn't enjoy numbers, and I say to you, hey, I want you to spend the day working on some, like, accounting spreadsheets and, like, doing all the, you know, macros and figuring all that stuff out, you might just go, why? And so that's the thing, you know, with your children, there's different things that they find more enjoyable to do, and you want to make sure they're expressing and finding those things, and then ultimately bringing them to work that... Pulls
0: all yeah. that together. I, the, I'm I'm like blown away right now because I'm just thinking about I don't know it's it, it makes me sad thinking of all the kids that are being pushed through and and it's it's not the parents' fault either. I was guilty of it too, thinking, oh, I'm a woman, I need to work. I remember saying or thinking to my about my sister who stayed home with her kids, like, well, what are you doing that's productive to society? And then now. <laughs> I look at it and I I said, well, she was doing the most productive thing. She was making sure her children were taken care of. I mean, her kids went to public school, but she was there to make sure they were on the bus, Mm -hmm. off the bus, you know, doing all the things that, you know, they weren't like shuffled around, um, making sure homework and stuff was done and making sure food was on the table. That's a huge thing. And uh, when you think about... I've discussed it before, the women's movement, you know, we think that that is to empower women. And I'm sure some women that were getting, you know, beaten and cheated on and couldn't leave because women, you know, weren't in the workforce. Yeah, it it helped out some, but it went so far the other way that it made us think we were not productive members of society if we chose to stay home with our family and make sure that they were taken care of, well-fed. And as you were talking about you know, your kids just needed to go out and play. And how many kids are put on medication when it's, it is just, they need to go get their exercise out first. They need to have a certain amount of water intake. You know, how many kids are dehydrated and it, And adults included, are just dehydrated. And that has so many negative impacts on us. And how many kids are just not getting enough nutrients? They're getting sugar. They're getting that red dye 40 or whatever that's going to their brain and making them nuts. And I was just talking to a um, a homeschool kid the other day. And he's telling me, he's like, I can't have apples because of the high fructose content. He said, "It, it makes me go a little nuts. And I'm like, wow, apples. I didn't think that that could be bad for you. But some kids have a little bit of an an intolerance to the fructose in certain fruits, apples being one of them. And our doctors, our pediatricians are not talking to us about that. You go in for your appointment. It's, these are the shots you're due today. And here is your pamphlet, your your piece of paper to take home. So you can read about the shot that I just gave you. No, I'm sorry. You can read about the eight shots that I just gave your kid. And then we're going to say that we've checked all the boxes and Dotted our I's, crossed our Ts, everything said and done. And I just might, I have so much anger in me for for the way this setup has become. But also like, you know, I'm happy that I have started this podcast where we can kind of open each other's eyes to this. And man, how different our our country and our world could be if we were all on board with these bits of information.
1: Well, yeah, it starts in the home. The home is the 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 is the basic governmental unit. And so everything starts in the home, and it builds out from there. And, you know, and that's where you get started. So it's, I think, I think the fact that so many people have homeschooled in the past, I mean, some of my kids are homeschooling. Uh, I have 10 grandchildren, and uh, two of the children are of my children are homeschooling. So I have eight grandkids who are either going to be homeschooled oh, that's or are so in the cool. process of being homeschooled. So that's me it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool to see to see that happening. And then um and then I have a, a couple of granddaughters who aren't. And I'm completely cool with that because that doesn't work for their for their family. Yeah. But again, the choice. We have the choice. And that's the thing with women and going back to, you know, oh you're not in the workforce or whatever. Uh, I I think it's important that women, other women acknowledge that, hey, you have the choice and I support your choice to either work or stay home or do some sort of fusion of that. And because that's important um, as part of the greater sisterhood is that we do that, that we're supportive of each other and that we have those conversations. I, I don't I did experience you know a lot of that where well you're not working, you're a breeder, you know, and you're having all these kids and i and I always said, well, you know what, they're all gonna be paying your social security <laughs> and when you get older, and they all are, they all have j o b s mm-hmm. and they all pay their taxes, you know they're every single one of them has a job paying into that system for the rest of us so. Yeah, it's just, it's just, we just need to be supportive. I think as women, I think there's been a lot of divisiveness and now, you know, more on the other side, I'm, I'm having a a second career and it's been really great to do that without, you know, having children at home and I'm really enjoying myself. But again, it's like, I think as women, we just need to remember that, that famous quote is that, you know, we can have it all. We just can't have it all at the same time. And and it's no amount of leaning in is going to make that work, you know, where you've got some high-powered career and, and somehow you've got, you know, two or three kids and everything's going to be perfect. You know, it's very difficult to pull all of that off unless, of course, you have uh, a host of nannies and uh, personal assistants, you know, to help you with that sort of thing. Most of us do not have that. I definitely did not have that when I had my six children, did not have that.
0: I'm willing to bet even the Kim Kardashians who have that are still not raising their kids as well as you raised your six.
1: (laughs) I'm very proud of my kids. I, 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 I love them all very deeply. And I think what's really important is that we've made that you need to, as a parent, make that successful transition from, parent authority figure like you will respect me yeah (laughs) and then you will love me (laughs) I was a hard ass but somebody had to be in charge you know it was either them or me and it was going to be me but I was just like you have to make that transition from that role to trusted counselor and I am I am their trusted counselor and they are my trusted counselors I, when I have issues or questions, I ask them because they know me the best of anyone out there and they give me excellent advice, excellent advice. And I I love, I don't always follow it, but they give me really good advice. So it's great when that's the type of relationship that we have now. And it's, it's beautiful. So how did you
0: deal with kind of the disciplinary issues and um, the, the qualms between siblings as, as you were homeschooling and raising them? Because there is, you know, you're teacher, but you're also parent.
1: And, you know, how did you navigate that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, for me, what was most important is that my children were friends at the end of the day. I love that at the end of the day that they were friends. And I was like, You all need to get along with each other because right now that other little friend seems more important or whatever, but I will tell you in 20 years that other little friend's probably not going to be around. You know, who's going to be beside you? Who are you going to want to talk to? It's your brothers and sisters. So I just really wanted them to, to get along with each other and I made that a priority. And there were a few times, And they still talk about this, where we were supposed to have a play date and the kids were all fighting each other and we were all in the van. We were loaded up, ready to go. And they were bickering. The Bickersons were going at it. And I said, oh, that's it. We're turning around. We're going home because you are not getting along with each other. So we are not going to go on that play date. And so they I backed it up. It wasn't fun doing that, but they are all they are all close. To this day, they are close, they love each other. They all have very different lifestyles and very different things they do with themselves. But in spite of all of that, they, they all, even though they have different outlooks on lives, on life, they are respectful of one another and loving of one another. And to me that, it's a beautiful thing. We did a Zoom call uh, last week, kind of like an early Mother's Day thing. And I just sat back and I watched and it was, hilarious it was just like the Brady Bunch you know everybody's in there make it calm
0: that's what I was thinking in my head is the beginning of the Brady Bunch (laughs) Somebody screaming
1: in the back it was awesome I just I just sat there and I just I just giggled I literally giggled for about 90 minutes straight just watching them interact and talk to each other and it was it was really it was a lot of fun so yeah
0: Did you love episode 21 with Lindsay from Treehouse Schoolhouse as much as I did? That is why I reached out to her after our interview and asked if my listeners could get a discount on her products. And she said yes. I just ordered my year long Charlotte Mason and Waldorf inspired seasonal nature study as I embark on my first year of homeschooling with my five year old son. Lindsay's Treehouse Nature Study is a seasonal nature study curriculum designed with family style learning in mind. It's a gentle guide meant to invite various ages to connect with each other and the world around them through living books, nature notebooking, hands-on crafts, and beauty subjects such as poetry, picture study, and folk songs from preschool through upper middle school, things I wouldn't think to do on my own, and is easily used with multiple ages at the same time. It would be a great fit for your preschool or kindergartner's core curriculum or your whole family's home education morning time. It also provides supplemental work for your children's language arts through poetry, memorization, recitation, copy work and notebooking. I myself grew up in the city, so I know practically nothing about nature. They did not teach me that in school, unfortunately. So I'm really excited to get to learn with my children about all the beauty that's right outside of our window. And Treehouse Schoolhouse has many more products to offer as well. Check out episode 21 for the details and let them know I sent you by using link treehouseschoolhouse.com slash the podcast. and use the code the podcast at the checkout so that you get 10% off of your entire order. You can get the link and code in my show's description. That's gotta be such a nice feeling to think of like I created this. You know, I'm the matriarch that made these people who then made you know grandkid the kids of their own and just the the legacy that you're seeing.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's cool because um they call me GM so that's for the, <laughs> my nickname is the grand matriarch, the grand matriarch. So, but, you know, that's, it is, I love, I love that role. I I love supporting them and, you know, praying for them and knowing that they're all, I mean, this is the thing as women, I think we, <laughs> we have forgotten the power. Our What is our ancient power? I'm going to say traditional. We don't want to go there. We just, we say ancient. What have we What's our ancient power? Yeah. Our power is our procreative ability, and we have spurned it. We have wasted it away. We give it away. We we don't we don't protect it. We don't appreciate it. And it is a very compared to men. It is a very we have a very limited yeah. a very limited window to procreate as women, and so I'm actually going to be starting a conversation about that myself because i've had several of my children say to me like you know mom yeah young women need to hear about this because they're not hearing anything in culture that is encouraging them to want to be wives to want to be mothers and so that's something that i'm going to be start a conversation about i would Public happily announcement.
0: i would happily be part of that with you as someone who fell victim to that And, um, you know, was, lived the, the crazy life in my twenties and I was, um, you know, married in my twenties, a very rash decision and then divorced and met my husband at 29. And that, the, those first couple of years really settled me down. I mean, I was, you know, into the wanting to, you know, live in New York City and this and that. And now I'm like, I just want to, you can see my polyface micro book back here from um, Joel Salatin. I want, I want a little farm. I want to have the regenerative farming where the animals are moved every day. And, you know, I, I just had my second child. I'm 39 and I wish I had more time. I would Probably have more. I, I didn't nurse my son, or I gave up after three weeks. And now my daughter, mm-hmm. I'm still nursing her at nine months, and it's like the most beautiful thing. And my mother says to me the other day, I had an Instagram reel about it. She goes, "Oh, well, at least in three months you can give her real milk." And I'm like, <laughs> "Cause this is how I grew up, right?" I was like, "Well, what what is it that you think I'm producing?" <laughs> Do you think that back in the ancient times, like, women were just waiting for their kid to become one so they could give them real milk from a cow? Like, that's not (laughs) – and just seeing the difference of um, even just the bonding that there is to nursing versus bottle-fed. And I'm not putting any bottle-fed babies down. My son was bottle-fed. But I'm seeing the difference, and it's like, oh, my God, if I only knew with him – the decisions I'm making with my daughter are, and that's just one thing. It's so different. Um, And yeah, so I am, I totally was victim to that whole, you know, gotta have a job and I gotta have a pension and I gotta retire. Why? So at 55, I can do what? My kids will be grown when I'm 55. And my mother's 75 and still works because she's bored. So like, there is plenty of time to work.
1: Yeah. What we have to understand is that in this, in in our modern time, is that you have, your adulthood is from 18 to 98. Mm -hmm. That's 80 years. That's 80 years. So I am technically at the halfway Mm -hmm. point of my adult years. I have another 40 years of life doing what? Well, I'm doing what I want to do. I mean, I, I have my own company. I speak yeah. on artificial intelligence and machine learning. I mean, I'm doing all sorts of fun, cool stuff. And that's what I'm doing now. Oh, oh, and I had six kids. Okay, so here's the thing. you There's a time and a place for everything. And just, you know, when you're young, and your body is bursting with fertility and energy and all those beautiful things you have in your 20s, that's the time to find Mr. Right and get married. And then you will be a very young, a very young mother, a very young grandmother. And then you can go kick it and do whatever you want in your 50s and beyond and have whatever other life you want. But those years when your children are young, you never get them back.
0: Yeah, I wish I you had. You never
1: that. get that time back. Uh,
0: I don't, like, I'm not ready for a third right now, but I'm running, yeah, you know. I mean, I don't. We, we've it. already had issues with pregnancy because I'm at, you know, the yeah. tail end of the 30s. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, so you have, um, right. and you can tell us a little bit more about um, your work now if you want to. But my question being, I'm running into, Okay, so we have the curriculums for homeschool, like you were discussing before, um, and now we are getting into curriculums that are online, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned you do um, work with artificial intelligence, which it doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. relate, but kind of, all of the, um, yes, the computer stuff. (laughs) Tell me about, I I know that there are some worries that the government or wants us to be homeschooling so that mm-hmm. our kids can be one-on-one in front of a screen and then they can put, whether it be subliminal messaging or, um, make them think a certain way or to track them or whatnot. So I'm just gonna, you know what I'm talking about. You're nodding your head. So go ahead and tell me.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've an academic paper on, um, on all that stuff that ChatGPT and stuff is all about. So I'm I'm highly familiar with natural language processing. And what you have to recall, what you, have, you have to understand, is that it's called machine learning for a reason, because the machine is learning. It learns off data that is inputted into it. So whatever ChatGPT or these other AIs are putting out to you as output when you make a query, They are merely digesting concepts and point of views that have been uploaded into it. It is not free thinking and making new associations. It is merely pulling that data. So here's where we get into an issue. For me as a homeschooling mom, it was very important that were certain things I wanted my children to understand. First was critical thinking skills. Very important that they had critical thinking skills. Okay, that was Check that box. Very important. The second thing is excellent communication skills. So we did for speech and debate, forensics. God help me. Boy, once I opened that door up, I had to make sure I had logic behind everything I said because I was going to be queried on it. But they, that has been very powerful for them as adults to have that ability to not only have critical thinking skills, but to also express themselves. Because I always said, you can have the best idea in the world, but if you cannot express it, no one gives a rip. It's just gonna stay tumbling around in your head. So those were the things. So here's, that brings me back to where the danger is with AI interfacing with your child. Because what they want you to do is they want you to be able to craft the correct questions to ask the AI. Is that learning? is that is that learning just so you know how to craft a question say, "Um, please chat GPT, can you tell me how to find the author of XYZ, whatever is is that? No, is that learning critical thinking skills? No, that that's just learning how to properly construct a question that that's not helpful. So yeah, I am not even though I'm a Credential data scientist. I have a master's in data science and I speak on it. I am not, I am not in favor of artificial intelligence teaching children, especially from the government.
0: So are there certain curriculums we should be steering away from or are is it like parents just have to be involved to watch? Like, like if they're doing something on the computer, sit with them.
1: Well, I, yeah. Well, I, I think I think you have to understand who's the source. Um, what we did, one of the things, and this is my mentor, Cappy Custish did is um, the great ideas. And essentially, what we were doing is we were having the children, when they were older, you know, uh, early teens, read the great books, the great thinkers of Western civilization, read the original documents, and then ask questions from that. And then they would have to do essays or whatever, using their own minds, their own critical thinking skills to pull information from all of the great thinkers, Descartes, Aristotle, Socrates. To me, that would be something that an AI could do, use the Socratic method. Oh, hey, I'm getting an idea for a company. <laughs> but you know, use the Socratic method to basically have your children read the great thinkers, and then using the Socratic method, have the AI start asking questions of the student and getting their responses. Now that to me would be a use that would be appropriate because you're pulling stuff from the great thinkers, but to have the government have, cause they want sheeple. They want people they can control who are, Oh, we all need to be on the same page thinking and oh, I can't hear other ideas. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the beautiful thing of a true liberal arts education is that you're pulling in all of these thinkers from from all all times and you're pulling out nuggets of truth and you're interacting with that. And that is that is what we want our children to do is to know their past and to pull it into today, interact with it and Bring great new insights for a culture today. Not be told, you know, by government, this is where you need to be. We don't need that. And that's not what made our country great. It's having a lot Absolutely. of little, you know, robots running around oh, out there. Goodness. And that's, you know, that's a lot easier to control, isn't it, Cheryl? That's a lot easier to control, right? This is the interesting thing. Well, about it. here's what the Homeschool Legal Defense did. They did a survey of all of their students when they graduated, and they found that... They excelled on every level compared to their to their uh, public school kids. The only thing that they were different on that was seen as a negative is that they questioned authority. You know, and I'm glad because they would question me, especially once they got that speech and debate stuff in. But that was good because then I had to think and back up why why am I asking them to do this? Oh yeah, or oh maybe I shouldn't be doing that. But that was good. That's what you want your where you, you want your children to end up.
0: Yeah. It would be interesting to see in that study how many of them wore masks in the last three years. <laughs> what is the work that you're doing now? Does it relate to homeschool, or are you, you've you've gone kind no, of no,
1: actually, actually not. I mean, I have a pretty deep educational background, um, but I'm I'm actually not doing anything with that right now. I'm I'm working in the sales and marketing. Space with uh, innovative uh, software solutions for that, and I sell uh, I'm on an enterprise level and also uh, working on some government contracts too so that's what I do now. It's a lot of fun
0: well that's great to hear though because like you were saying we we are told I guess oh you need a job right out of college or else the world's gonna you know fly by and you're not going to be able to pick it up once you're fifty but clearly. <laughs> that is not the truth. It is just, (laughs) it's just you wanting to find what you're interested in and then learning about it. And the same thing, I mean, even for a podcast, I didn't know anything about podcasting, but I had an idea and I was like, let's, let's try this. And you know, I, Thirty nine. I was able to figure out, and I'm. Well, I'm still working on figuring out Instagram, but um, that's a different beast. But just the podcast itself, and editing, and all that. It's like, well, I didn't. I didn't need a college degree for that. I mean, I I have a, a four year degree, but it wasn't in podcasting. I don't think we had podcasts back in two thousand six, maybe. But um, I wasn't listening to them. But you know, you you can. Learn the things that you want, especially with the internet and chat GPT that will just tell you how to do it. Uh, so, how do you feel about college and university? I know you said your one son didn't even need it. Do you think for parents that homeschool, should that even be an end goal for us? Or should it just depend? Like, are we going to spend all this time raising our children for them to go into university and then be brainwashed there? Uh, do they even need it? Do they need it sometimes, depending on what they want to get into?
1: Yeah, that's that's an excellent question and an excellent concern. I I found all my children did different paths. Um, I had one who finished a master's at the age of nineteen, and then others that you know did some of the junior college and then never finished and are still doing very very well financially. So, I think it's a choice that. You have to see the type of career that your child is well suited for, and again, you have that additional time to think through that. Some some children are going to be attorneys. Some are going to be in the medical profession, uh, you know. But if they are interested in business, the best thing for them is obviously hands on. You know, starting their own business. Uh, if you have a home business yourself, getting them engaged. We had them all involved in our home business. And it was very powerful for them to see, you know, how oh we have three hundred employees. How do we manage that? You know, for them to be on the front lines, to be driving to sites, observing, taking notes, just doing stuff. It was very, very powerful for them to experience that. So, I, I just think every child is unique, and yeah, it is a concern about them getting brainwashed. But I, I really loved easing them into that with that, you know, dual enrollment for high school with the local junior college. To me, that that was great. And then what we did is they went at that time, they did that where they did all the work at Thomas Edison State College, and then they were able to get a four year degree. And I think out of pocket, it cost us under $10,000. So none of our kids had any college debt coming out, which, again, was a major uh, leg up for them so when they are buying a house or doing whatever, they didn't have any school school loan debt, didn't have any of it because we were able to cover that as we went along.
0: And then how did they um, – friends is one thing, but sometimes I think about things like, oh, how would my son ever like meet a girlfriend or whatever? But then I started thinking, well, do I need him to even th- – think about girlfriends before he's 18 or whatnot like did your kids date did they go to proms or anything they found spouses since you have grandchildren they obviously found spouses
1: <laughs> yeah that was that when that Josh Harris book I kissed dating goodbye was big and so there was the kind of like the courting talk and stuff um we actually went to church with a couple places where there was a a plethora of homeschoolers. So that kind of like the parents were all kind of on the, on the same page, but I remember, and this is, this is a, this is a funny anecdote, but I remember going to a speech and debate tournament and this one mom was like upset that her son who was like 19 or 20 wanted to get married, you know, to his girlfriend. And I said to her, I said, uh, Okay, so you don't want them to sleep together before they get married. <laughs> but then you you want them to have this long engagement, and then you're upset that they want to kind of get married earlier. I'm just like, you know, it's kind of like it's really hard, you know, if you're a young person. I mean, no judgment on anybody. But you have like this extended engagement, you know, just so you're a proper age, you're 23 or whatever, um, and then you expect your children to remain virgins. It's just kind of like, eh, How's that going to work out? You know, so it's just, I mean, people change a lot. I mean, I I had uh, three children. um, Three of them got married pretty young. I think they were like 20, somewhere between 21, 23, which is considered very young now. But, um, you know, of those two marriages have been successful. One, unfortunately, did get divorced. But um, it happens. I mean, I'm divorced. I got divorced. So that's a whole other topic, you know, too. It happens. You know, it happens. It it wasn't something I wanted to have happen, but it happens after 33 years. So it does. And, you know, it's you just trust that your kids will make good choices. But, you know, you don't you don't want to. Yeah, I just think every child is different. And we just have to have that that mindset and that. Compassion, because we were young once too. And <laughs> there's certain things you don't want them to be doing. Then you kind of have to put some guardrails up, and you know, not like hope it, it's all going to work out. You know, if you you leave your kids alone for four hours in your house and go, I hope nothing bad happens. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 50-50, your house will be burned down when you come home.
1: <laughs> it never happens. It's just like, you know, you just have to put, you just have to make that decision with your, you know, with the other parent and, and, and you know, talk to your kids. I mean, that's all you can do and, and pray and uh, trust, trust that. They'll make wise choices. Yeah. And you know? I, I think, you know, this
0: day and age, the internet is so big that you can easily, you know, kids, I feel like they don't even date kids that go to their own school. Like, it's not cool. I, I, I got to meet her on Snapchat um, or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
1: And those dating apps are, oh, I think I, I did the, Forty days on that, and that was just—I like, "Oh, yeah. you know, you're just like I'm never going to that again." So I feel bad for kids that that's how they meet people. You know, it's so unnatural. Yeah, and you know, compared to what we it's have, funny
0: because I wonder if homeschool like it's a—it's one of these preconceived notions that homeschoolers are not going to be dating because oh, where are they going to meet anybody? There's—they're not socialized, but um, they might actually have an easier time because homeschoolers are used to having conversation. They're not shy. They will, when I had my interview with Anna, um, she's a homeschooled student that's 17. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can tell the ones that went to public school because in our camp, they don't interact really. They're like on their phones. So homeschoolers can have the conversations that kids that are generally, not all of them, but generally go to public school. They're used to sit and be quiet, You're not here to talk, you're here to learn. Everybody stop talking. And then when they have their recess time, they are on the phones. Um, you know, I, I would imagine that's how it generally goes. So they don't have that face-to-face interaction as homeschoolers might, might be more comfortable having the face-to-face to where they would actually meet someone and say, do you want to go on a date? I don't know if people even date anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was phasing out in the early
1: 2000s when I was, <laughs> when yeah. I was in
0: school, graduating. <laughs>
1: There, there's. I think there's with the homeschoolers, they tend to want to do things in person and in groups. And I think for for young people, that's the perfect way to meet, you know, other people, because I know on the speech and debate tournaments, we'd be at, you know, at a different city for like three days straight. And so the kids were all together from like, seven in the morning to like eight or nine o'clock at night rolling around and talking. And it was awesome. I mean, they got to interact and it was, it was really, really oh, great. A really, really great experience. So I do think the homeschoolers with the different activities and stuff, um, the face-to-face interaction is super powerful. I think we've, as you were mentioning uh, a lot of young people have gotten away from that, but um, yeah, I, I think there's hope for us Absolutely. for sure. And I, I wasn't like, super concerned about who my children would marry. Um, I just, I just wanted them to know who they were as people, and to be very strong in themselves and know themselves before they got into a relationship. I think that's really important. And that can happen when you're fairly young. And, and for some people, it takes longer. Yeah. I mean, I have two children that are unmarried, that are 26 and 28, you know, and they're not in a super big hurry, but now one of them's in a serious relationship and the other one's looking. So it all happens at different times for all of them. And they're each their own person. Well, and I
0: think that is a huge thing that has to do with it, is if you know yourself, you know, if you didn't spend your every, mm-hmm. you know, year in your developmental stages being told that, you know, this is how you need to think, this is what you need to do every day, you get up, you go here, this is what we're going to learn. Um, this is what you need to know for a test. And then, you know, you go to your sport and then you go home and go to bed. Like when you have the time as a homeschooler to really learn about your passions and this and that, you're not necessarily, you're, you're mm-hmm. learning what you're, what you like and learning about yourself. Like you said, you're learning, um, you know, more of, a like a comfort within that I don't need somebody else to make me happy because I can make myself happy. And then when you find out what makes you happy and you're, you're ready to settle down, you're just that much more apt to have something that's more lasting than, okay, well, I feel like my first marriage was like, well, I'm single at this age. You're single at that age. So, uh, I guess we should just get married because that's what my friends are doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I have the fear of missing out. I would like to have a, a wedding dress too and a party. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, that, I never really thought about that aspect with the homeschoolers, but that is really something to delve into. I'm going to, yeah, maybe a book idea someday. Um, <laughs> is there anything else? Cause we're up sure. on over an hour now. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure that we talked about? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I would just say it's, I don't, I don't regret it. I, it was, like I said, the best decision for me, for my children was to homeschool them and I got to know them deeply and I sure could I have been making money. I, I was a stockbroker, um, for a a little under a year, a year or two after I graduated. I sure I could have been making more money doing other things, but I don't regret. I, I loved that time with my children and it, it has eternal value. Um, And I'm my life. I I consider myself the richest woman in the world, Cheryl, literally the richest woman, because I have all of these people in my life that I would never have had if I hadn't met their father and had and got married. So I I feel very, very blessed and very grateful.
0: Yeah. And if you had stuck with the job, that was. You know, high-paying but demanding of your time and your energy, your yeah. even your thinking. Because when yes. you're home with your kids, you're probably thinking, "Oh crap, I forgot to do that today. Oh, I got to get that done for Monday morning." Mm-hmm. So you're like half there, and just to and that's a big thing for me, like letting go of you know the mm-hmm. the, I guess the financial aspect of it, um, and being present. That money will come. At any age when you try, yeah. you know, Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, will. Trust me. Yeah, trust me. Yeah. I Yeah. You, you can make always make money and you've got a good foundation with your education and everything. But, you know, you're in the weeds right now, Cheryl. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough that my daughter had me at her place with her four children. You know, she's got four kids, 11 to like a year and a half. I mean, you're in the trenches right now when you have you have. All of these children, they're so small and you just have to, like you said, let go and enjoy because it goes by so fast and it's, it's gone. And so all of the time you're spending with your children now, it you will reap a beautiful blessing from that. And just enjoy the day because if you like, if you got one more thing done, like, oh, woo, hey, you did a podcast today, woo! You got you did more than just keeping two other people alive. That's what it is, okay? Too. Just keeping that, alive. That's a win. <laughs> that's a win. You had a winning day because you did one one thing above that you you did a podcast or you took the kids to the doctor or you did whatever. So that's you just have to have that mindset because this too shall yeah. pass, and then you'll look back and go, oh, the good old days.
0: You are so right the good, because so, we're not yeah. even promised our years up until you know eighty, ninety, a hundred. You know, there's so many things that could happen. You just know. That I thank you. So I needed to hear that today and That's I'm right. sure other yeah. people needed to too. So thank you so much for being here and for just the giving us this it was like a comfort hour. <laughs> I hope everybody else had that too. I get your coffee or a cup of tea and just relax and know that like you're on the right path or you can be on the right yeah, path. You and, are um you know, and even for mm-hmm. the people who can't Stay home just to take that time and really bond with your kids, you know, to put down our phones. I'm guilty of it, too. And really have that undivided attention and get to know them because you're helping them form who they are right now. You're helping that. So when you have the phone in your hand, you know, that's all they see is someone not paying attention to them. And, you know, I'm thinking of a million times I do this, too. I'm not being a preacher. I'm trying to tell myself, too. Put it down and be attentive, cause uh, you know, get on their level and just show them that you're there for them. And um, I think our kids really all could benefit from that. Some water, get rid of the red dye number forty, and <laughs> get them outside to play. And our kids would probably be these wonderful little <laughs> little beings. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Today. Thank you, Cheryl. My pleasure. listening to this week's episode of The Homeschool How-To. If you've enjoyed what you heard and you have the means, please consider supporting the show by leaving a small tip to help cover the monthly fees of the recording platform, editing software, hosting membership, and equipment. Even a dollar an episode goes a long way. There's a link to support the show in my show's description that goes directly to my PayPal. And because I am fully aware that most homeschooling families are on one income, I understand that not everyone has the means to contribute monetarily. So if you feel compelled to support the show in another way, sharing it with a friend or a homeschool Facebook group is equally appreciated. I will leave a link to share in the show's description as well. Thank you for listening and for your love of the next generation.